in the middle of all the chaos and all the anxiety and all the things that are happening in the world today, you know, and I, I think I've said this before as a pastor, I feel like a lot of times, you know, our church or people in, as Christians look at a pastor and it's like, what do I do? Like, how, what, you know, what do I do? And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have all the answers of exactly what it is you do, but I can tell you what the Bible says. And I believe it is imperative for us as Christians to stay grounded on the truth of what the Word of God says and not allow the craziness and the chaos of the world to get us going in other directions, but to keep us grounded. And um, so that, that's what I have to do. And uh, so I can just tell you that we have to stand firm in what the Word of God says, to stand firm. We're not, we're not going to be moved. Remain steadfast in your salvation. And, you know, God, I believe, is calling his church to adhere, not abandon the fundamental principles of Christianity. You know, it's easy for us to kind of start going off into other things when, when we see all the craziness in the world today. But, but, but God, I would believe, would have us adhere to the basic fundamentals of what the Bible teaches us to do as Christians. So um, these things, I'm just going to mention this real quick in the beginning here before I really begin my message. But these things that I'm going to mention, they may, they may, they may seem mundane and they may seem boring, but the, these really are the principles of Christianity. And it's the fundamentals of what Christ taught his church to do. So we can never deviate or walk away from, from, the, from these things, no matter how mundane or boring they may seem. So the first one is prayer. And, you know, it's amazing when we think of prayer. It's like prayer is like the last thing we think of. And if we do think of, think of prayer, it's usually the least important. Why that is, I really don't understand. One reason I think for it is Prayer doesn't get a lot of glamour. There's not a lot of show. It's a, it's, a, it's a personal thing a lot of times for us. Jesus said, you know, go into your closet and pray before your Father in heaven. The Bible says your Father in heaven will see you when you pray. So I think we think of prayer as like maybe not as important as what we do here on Sunday mornings or preaching or teaching or anything else. Prayer is the most important thing we do as a Christian. Bottom line. It's, it's, it's us acknowledging that we need God. It's, it's us humbling ourselves and telling God, God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I, I need your direction. So, you know, a lot of us, I think, and, and even Christians, and this is not necessarily wrong, but when we see the things that we're confronted with in the world today, maybe the first thing we think of is, well, I need to go protest. And that's not wrong necessarily. But maybe God is asking you to do to pray first before you protest, like like go like like get on your knees and pray first. And, and, and maybe that's what God is saying. So protesting is not wrong. But am I spending time in prayer? And, you know, when you read the Bible, Jesus prayed. He was the son of God. But the Bible says that Jesus prayed. And if you read the uh, the gospel accounts, there was many accounts where the, the, the writer uh, wrote that Christ early in the morning, the Bible says, but before the sun even came up, Christ was, was up. He was in, in a secluded place. And what was he doing? He was praying. So I don't need to have instruction necessarily for prayer to know how important it is. All I have to do is look at Jesus and look at his example that, that, that Jesus prayed. So, um, again, that sounds boring, that, you know, if I, if I said, let, let's go out there and, you know, let's, let's go wave signs and let's go protest on the corner this afternoon. 
I think we get more enthusiasm about that if he said, you know, hey, let's pray. You know, that, but that is, that's the bottom line. That's, that, that is it. So um, the next thing is God's word. And, you know, media, and, and if you think about this, and most of you in here are not as old as I am. Some of you are, are and some of you are older. But, but back in the day when I was growing up, the media was, there was three channels. There was Channel 4, Channel 6, and Channel 8. It was ABC, NBC, and CBS. That's all they had. And if you can picture this, and I know young people could never imagine this, but, but picture my brother and I and my family were in, the, were in a small living room in our house in Chalmette. The house is not even 1,000 square feet. It's got one bathroom, and all five of us are in there. And we're watching this television set. There's no remote control. There's an antenna sitting on the top with these big things coming out the front, and the picture is not HD. And all there is is three channels. And if you want to switch the channel, you had to get up and go to the television and switch and switch the channel. So to get the, the market, the market share for media back then was easy to it was it was easy to gain a lot of market share because there wasn't a lot of competition. You had three. So basically you were taking hundred percent of the market and, and you were dividing up the market by three. Well now what do we have? We got social media, we have YouTube, we have all these other different Things, things out there, and media is desperately competing for the for the, the market size hasn't changed, but the competition for that market has. And so, w- when we look at that, you know, Christians cannot fall into the same trap with God's word, the Bible. The Bible is not left to be divided among the time we spend in social media or other media. In other words, God, God's not, God, God's not going to sit there and accept the fact that we're just going to divide our time up. God's word still needs to take first place. I don't care how many websites you are on or how many, you know, chats, TikTok, all, all these different, you know, media outlets that, that, that you might belong to. The Bible for a Christian still takes first place. And there's a lot of media has given us a lot of resources and a lot of ways to access the Bible. So in a lot of ways, it's been a blessing. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm thankful for media. I'm thankful that my TV has a remote control and, I, and it has HD and all that kind of stuff. I'm not one of those people that say, you know, remember the good old days. No, I'm glad for, for all the technology and things that we have today. But as a believer, you, you, you have to be very mindful of the time that you spend and other things that, 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 that may be taken away from God's word. This is still the most important thing we do. And if you don't, if you don't spend a lot of time absorbing God's word, you will find yourself living as the world does. It's just, it's just the way it goes. It's going to happen. We, we have to, we have to uh, make the, the, the word of God a priority. And then the next pillar or the next fundamental thing is gathering. And you've heard me say this before, but you know, one of the deceptions that I've discovered about social media is that it's not social. It, it's, it's not social. It's distant. You know, I think it should be called distant media or contactless media because it, they call it social media, but there really is no socializing involved. You know, you're, you're behind a computer screen, you're, you're, you're looking at your phone or whatever, and you're, you might be communicating with a lot of people, but you're not socializing. The Bible commands the church. It's not, it, wasn't an, it wasn't an option, it was a command. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. The, the, the Bible commands us to do that, and I'm proud of the fact that this church gives us two very strong ways to do that. We have our Sunday morning service here on Sundays, and then we also have small groups that meet throughout the week 
that you can gather. So there's no excuse to say, well, my church doesn't offer me an opportunity to gather and connect and encourage one another. We've got to remember, that's really what gathering is all about. When I come together and I'm in this church, I'm encouraged. You know, I'm encouraged. I'm like, I'm not alone. That somebody else loves the Lord. Someone else was willing to come here and worship God and, and be together with other believers. So it's just so important. So, you know, you can look at me and you can say, well, you know, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for direction. That's it. That, that's the fundamentals. That's, the, that's, that's, that's basic Christianity 101. And God is just keeps telling me just to stay grounded. You know, don't, don't let, the, let the world pull you away from the, from the gospel. The, the, I don't care how crazy that world gets. They can't take away my salvation. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. It came from Christ. It came from heaven. We're in the kingdom of God. So be excited. Let, let, let the church rise up. There needs to be great joy in the house. We, we, need, to, we, need, to, we need to be giving out the, the, just the, the joy of the Lord when we go in places, not, not the doom and gloom of the world. Some, somebody needs to see hope. They need to see life. Where's it going to come from? It's going to come from the believer. It's going to come from, from the joy of the Lord that, that is ours. So, so that's it. You know, that's, you know, like I said, God will give you wisdom. You, you, the same Holy Spirit that's, that lives in me lives in you. And if you are sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will never lead you in the wrong direction. I, I, just, I just, I have confidence in knowing that, that God will give us wisdom and he will give us prudence and understanding how to navigate and walk through this crazy world that we're living in. And this is some stuff, some of the stuff I'm going to look at here today. And this is part two of a message that I began last Sunday called Trading Truth for a Lie. Trading Truth for a Lie. And this would be part two of it. And, um, but you know, the world in which we live in is a perfect illustration of man living without God. Because if you want to know what, what man does without God, Sit back and examine the world you live in today. And that's what it is. And I'm going to show you that as I, as I move on with this. And the, we as Christians are the ones that are accused of being ignorant, intolerant, hateful, extreme, and dangerous. They, they look at us as being that way. With all the foolishness that they, that they embark in, they look at us as being the ones that are dangerous. And um, we can be deceived into thinking that we are the ones that have it wrong because we are in the minority, number, numerically wise. But when it comes to God, we're in the majority because I got God on my side, <laughs> you see? So it doesn't matter. So don't be deceived into thinking you've got it wrong. No, they've got it wrong. We've got it right. We're, 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 living, we're living right side up. So um, Romans chapter one, I believe, paints the perfect picture of what it is that is going on in the world today. And Paul does an excellent job of not just, not just telling us what we're looking at, but Paul explains the why. In other words, and I need to know that. I'll be honest with y'all. But if I don't have the Bible and this chapter in Romans to, to, to speak truth into my life, my head's going to explode. Like I'm going to look... These things, I can't take much more of this insanity that we're experiencing here today. But I can go to the Bible, and the Bible can explain to me the why. How, how, do, we get, how do we get to where we're at right now? 
the Bible in chapter, Romans chapter 1 tells us how we got there. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you that here this morning. And um, so, you know, Paul, when writing this chapter, he was obviously exposing the condition of men or man living without God. Um, and he explains the wrath of God of those who reject his salvation. But as a believer, um, I walk away feeling encouraged. And, and I believe that this was part of what Paul was trying to communicate when he wrote the chapter. It wasn't just a, a condemnation against, against sinful man and the wrath of God. I believe he was also exposing us as believers that we have the truth. So I don't just look at this from the negative side of all the things that Paul was saying that's happening in the world. I look at it as a believer. like, I got it right. <laughs> Like, I can look at this and I can say, thank you, Jesus. I have, I, I have it right. So um, let's look at this scripture again. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at the, I'm going to read the whole passage again, but we're only going to look at the second half of it this morning. Romans chapter 1, it says, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. Because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves. All because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him forever and ever. Amen. And what an excellent job, again, that Paul does describing what it is that we're looking at today. But I'm just going to recap just real quick here the message from last week. And I, I covered the first uh, three verses there, verses 18, 19, and 20. But, but Paul in this passage here says, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin. And we have to understand that the salvation of Christ is man's escape from the wrath of God. We escape the wrath and the punishment of God for our sin by accepting Jesus Christ and his salvation on the cross. That's why we need to be so thankful that if you were saved, you escape the wrath of God. You, you avoid the punishment and the penalty for your sin. 
because you, because you were covered in the blood. See, sin has a consequence, and sin will be punished. The, 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 the Bible says God is holy, but God is also just. And if God did not punish sin, he would not be holy and just. Jesus took our sin, the Bible tells us. The Bible says, for God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. What a great exchange that, that Jesus took my, my penalty, my, my wrath, and now I'm become righteous in God. What, what, what a great salvation. So, so that's the first thing we looked at. The next thing is God gives everyone the capacity to know him. The Bible says that man's wickedness is, is man's way of smothering the truth. It acts as an excuse or a buffer to reject the truth of who God really is. The Bible says that, that, that in at least two ways, man is held without excuse for not knowing who God is. The first one is a God-given instinct, that, that, that we have an instinct given in every one of us that, that God is who he says he is. And that is given to every man, woman, and child. Every person born, the Bible says, has a God-given instinct to know who God really is. There's, a, there's an innate ability to understand and recognize who God is. And then the other one is creation. The creation itself testifies of God as our creator. So the Bible says that opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. In other words, what God is saying is, I'm going to place the evidence right in front of your face. <laughs> My creation is going to be the evidence of who I am. And it's going to be impossible for you to ignore that there was a God and there was a creator that created the, the, the universe and the, the earth and, and all the things that we see, the human body, plants, life, all these things that was a creator. And I said this last week, I don't need to be a scientist or a physicist to figure out that there was a God that hung the moon and hung the, hung the stars and hung the sun and, and all the different things, that there was a creator with, 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 with order and design that created all these things. The Bible says because of his creation, we are without excuse. In Psalms chapter 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. The Bible says day after day after day, his creation is speaking to us as humans. I am God. <laughs> there is a creator. There is a God. And, you know, Laura and I was driving back from, I picked her up at the airport last night. And we, that's one of the things I miss about driving on the causeway is the beautiful sunrises and the beautiful sunsets. It, you don't really get a view of it anywhere in our state because we're so flat and all the trees and everything. But when you get on the bridge, it's wide open. It's just water. I mean, they had the most spectacular sunset. And I'm just looking at the sun going down. I'm thinking to myself, and there's not a God? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm watching this, you know, th this go, go down like that. I'm just thinking to myself, how can you look at that and deny the fact that there's a God? You can't, the Bible says. You have to suppress the truth by your sin, and that's what we're seeing. The Bible says only a fool would say in his heart that there is no God. That's what, that's what the Bible says. So in this first part of this passage that we're looking at in Romans, Paul is explaining how man has been given the capacity to know the one and only God. That, and he says that, that we are without excuse for not knowing him. But in the second half of this passage, we're going to look at this morning, Paul gives the result 
of a world living without God. In other words, Paul first explains that, that, that this is what man has done to get to the state he's in. He, he's, he's, he's rejected, he's ignored, he's denied the, the, the innate and instinctive ability to understand that there's a God. He suppressed that by his sin. And then now Paul goes on to explain the result of what that looks like. And I'm here to tell this church this morning what you are seeing today in the world is exactly what it is that Paul wrote about here in Romans, in Romans chapter 1. This chapter explains the utter insanity on display before our very eyes today. And it's just as the Bible says, they are, they are utterly foolish. They are, they, are shallow, they are shallow fools in what we're looking at. But thanks be to God that the church is not insane. We are walking in the light of the truth of Jesus Christ. And that, that's what I'm excited about. So let's just break this down in the second half of the passage here this morning. In verse 21, it says, Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. So the first thing I want to look at here this morning is the road to confusion and darkness begins with rejecting God. If you, and, it, and I'm speaking to this, this this morning from a broader sense of what is on display in our world today, but really this, can, this also applies to us as individuals. In other words, the same principle that Paul is saying when, he, when he's saying man or men in general... And, and, and we're going to look at some things on a broader scale in our world. These things also apply to us as individuals. That, 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 if, that if we reject God individually, that is the road for us that will lead to confusion and to darkness. See, ignoring the Creator has consequences. Ignoring God has consequences. Paul revealed to us, as I said, that each of us instinctively know who God is. We see that, that cre creation had a creative designer. We are therefore obligated to honor and acknowledge God as Lord. In other words, we, God wants all the glory. He wants all the attention. He wants all the praise. But man's refusal to humble themselves before God leads to pride and rebellion. See, that, that's what God is looking for is, is, is God is telling us, I'm going to make it so obvious that I am God that you, you, you are not going to be able to excuse yourself from not knowing and because you recognize that I am God, what does God want now? He wants adoration. He wants acknowledgement. He wants worship. He, he wants praise. He, he, wants to be, he wants us to be thankful. And, and that's what we do when we come here. And, I, and I've said this to this church. And look, many churches worship different ways. I believe everything we do in here for worship is biblical. I don't believe there's anything we do that contradicts the word of God. None of it. What, raising of the hands, the, the, all the things that we do, shout, dancing, all those different things, it's all biblical. But when you come into this room, we're not coming in here for each other. We're coming here to worship God. So I don't know how you do that, but, but I'm thankful that I'm free now. In Jesus' name, I'm not bound by the Baptist religion that's told me that I couldn't, or they actually never told me I could raise my hands. They never said I couldn't, but they never said I could, so I didn't. I'm thankful that I'm free. So when I'm standing here before God, I'm not ashamed. I, I don't care who's looking or what's watching. I'm coming to worship God, Amen. the one and only God. It's not the tabernacle God. 
It's not that it's not the as he's not God because of who we believe. He's the Lord. So what other thing can I do when I come into this room? I'm going to worship God. I'm going to acknowledge him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to see worship is humility. It's surrender. And I've said this to this church. The first time I raised both hands, the first thing that God showed me was the picture of surrender. You're, you're helpless. You're defenseless. When your hands are up, I can't defend myself. I'm, I'm, but what am I doing? I'm surrendering. And I'm worshiping God. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I cannot encourage this church enough that, that worship God. Not, we're not worshiping one another. This is not a denomination. It's not a religion. We're gathering together to worship God and acknowledge him for who he is. And God is pleased when we do so. He's pleased. He's pleased when we do that. But look what God says is the consequences for not acknowledging him for who he is. It says Mis misguided hearts, or some translations say vain imaginations, which, which, meaning, which means the thoughts or reasonings or deliberations or conclusions. And of course, the word vain means empty or futile or worthless. So what happens when man ignores God or refuses to acknowledge him or worship him? They have meaningless thoughts. Their reasoning makes no sense. Their deliberations make no sense. Their conclusions make no sense. They become vain. They become empty and futile and worthless. Do you see the progression? See what, how Paul is beginning to give the progression of what, what, man, what man is happening. So man's thoughts and ways become empty and worthless. They are misguided, literally walking and living as if they were blind. And, and that's what we're looking at today. It's just like Jesus said, the blind leading the blind. It's like governments and institutions and elected officials are trying to lead us and tell us what to do, but they themselves don't know what they're doing. They're misguided. Why? Because they're refusing to humble themselves and acknowledge God for who he is. I came across this quote when I was preparing for this message. It says, when men push God out of their minds, their minds are void and empty of God. God is not in their thoughts. Their minds are ready to be filled with some other God or supremacy. See, this is so true. I believe every one of us need a guide. We need something to lead us, something to push us, to compel us, something to, to, to teach us and train us. And God is saying, I'm the only one that can fill that void and for you to live and do it the right way. I'm the only one that can do that. But the Bible says when we push God out and we say, God, no, I don't want you. I don't acknowledge you. I don't believe in you. I don't want you. What happens is you leave a void. There's a void. There's a space. That space is going to get filled with something. Something's going to get filled in that space. And what ends up getting filled with it is man's gods. Their, their understanding of what they think is right. And, and, and that's, that's the beginning of what it is that we're, that we're looking at today. See, that empty void gets filled with their God and it leads to utter confusion and moral darkness. That's what we're looking at. Is a world that has filled God, the void that only God can fill with a God that they themselves have come up with and this is the way that they are living and leading and guiding us. But see, Paul in this scripture, Paul is not giving them an excuse 
He's providing an explanation. They're not excused. There's no excuse for this. Paul already said it. You are without excuse. But he's explaining, and I'm here to tell you, as a born-again believer in Christ that is living his life as, to the best of my ability by the word of God, I need Paul's explanation for the insanity and the stupidity that is happening in our world today. I need an understanding. And, and, and Paul gives it to us here. Thank God for the Bible that explains and understands and opens up what, what it is that we're looking at. See, we must acknowledge God in everything we do. What did, what did Paul say here? They refuse to thank him for his kindness or honor him. See, many people are living their lives as if God does not even exist. Think about that. And as a Christian, I have to ask myself, do I ever live my life ever in any part of my week or part of my day without realizing that God exists? Do you acknowledge God in everything you do? Do you thank him for everything? Do you, we, we worship and praise him on Sunday mornings. Do you worship him during the week? Is there ever a time during the week where you just lift up your hands and you just, you just, I, I, I just say, thank you, Jesus? And, and do you, do you, is there ever a time where you just say, God, I just, I, I just worship you today. I, I just, I acknowledge who you are. I praise you. I, I, I want you, I, I need you. I just, I just acknowledge you. See, we can't become like the world, like the world does. They don't even acknowledge that there's even a God. We're Christians. We, we acknowledge God in everything. And what do we do? We thank him in all things. Not, not just the good things, even the bad things. God, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I got life. God, I thank you. We have to, we have to, stay, in, we have to stay in that position as believers. But see, Jesus explained this to us in Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. I'll, I'll take the narrow road any day. I, I, I'll, take the, I'll take the narrow road, even if there's only a few people walking on that road. I'll take the narrow road every day of my life. Because what does Jesus say? That road leads to life. The wide road that everybody thinks is the right way to go is only going to end in destruction. The next thing that Paul says here in, in, in Romans is in verse 22. He says, although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans. Idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. So the next thing I believe Paul is showing us here in this passage is that man has replaced the true God with false gods. Man has replaced the true God with false gods. See, they claim to be wise. See, the, the world tells us how smart man is, how smart the media is, and how smart all the academia and all these people with all these many degrees and all they just keep, keep telling us we're smart, we're smart, we're smart. When I look at, when I look at the world today, I see stupidity. I don't see, I don't see smartness. I see stupid is what I see. But it's just what Paul said. They claim to be wise. Okay, you claim to be wise, but why are you behaving the way you're behaving? Because you've rejected God. You've, you, you've rejected God. Paul said you claim to be wise, but instead you become shallow fools. So 
I'm not willing to accept the foolishness of men. But at least this scripture provides for us, as I said before, an explanation and reveals to me how intelligent I really am. And I'm going to look at this a little further down in a moment. But see, the human mind, void of the only true God at his center, will replace him with some other God. Without God leading them, that, leading them, they are left to lead and guide themselves. And here is where we find the dire condition and depravity of the world in which we live. Man is, is basically, man is leading man. They, they've, they've ignored God. They've pushed God out. Don't want his word. Don't want to pray. Don't, don't want anything to do with God. Let, leave me alone. And man has become everything. They've become their own God. And this is what we see on display. So what I'm going to look at here is, is I believe, an, an, an explanation and, a, and an illustration that will kind of show us how do we get how do we get to where we're at right now? Because there was a progression. It didn't just happen automatically. There, there was a progression. And I believe the progression, Paul gives us the steps of how it is we got here. But I believe if we see this as an illustration, I believe, to me, it'll make more sense. So we, we can put the first one up there on the screen. And the first thing that we've done is we have rejected the truth of what the Bible says about God. What does the Bible say? That, that, that behold, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. The Bible says, have no other gods before me. In other words, God, the Bible says, he's a jealous God. Why is he jealous? Jealousy is a sin. Not if you're God, because he's the only God. So he has a right to be jealous. There is no other God. So God's not going to share his position with anyone. So what ends up happening is we reject the only God. So what do we do? We, we accept false religions. And I'm here to tell you, and this is only a few of them. There's, there's many, there's multitudes. There's multitudes and multitudes of false religions. But there are millions and millions of people that, are, that, are, that believe in Buddhism and Hinduism, Islam, and all these different things that are following a false religion, believing that they are following the truth, leading their families and their children in a false. Why? Why have, we, why have men come up with all this foolishness? Because they rejected the only God. And it's led them. So people might say, well, you know, that, that those things really aren't that bad. They're really not that dangerous. Yes, they are. If you go back to the Old Testament, what did, what did God tell the nation of Israel? Don't, don't follow the gods of the other nations because they, 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 they're going to lead you away from me, the Bible says. But what did Israel do? They ended up intermingling with the other people in, in, that there were around them. And the Bible says they ended up worshiping the other gods. And what was one of the gods that they ended up worshiping? Israel, the God of Molech. And guess what the God of Molech instructed the, the people to do? To sacrifice your children in fire. That's not God. But see what happens is they rejected God. The, the Israel rejected God. So God turned them over, the Bible says, into what their hearts desired. And God gave them this false religion, this false God of Molech. And now with this false God commanding them to do something God never instructed them to do. Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, all these different things. There's a process of brainwashing that takes place with these religions. And people are being down. And it is, it, it is dangerous. It is dangerous for the simple fact it doesn't lead me to eternal life. It leads me away from the cross. But how did we get there? How did we get all these religions? And look, I'm not talking about thousands. I'm talking about millions. There's millions upon millions of people following this. How did we get there? We rejected God's word. 
We rejected what God said, that, but, that behold, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Thou shalt have no other God before me. There's only one God. He's Jehovah. There is no other God. Worship Him and worship Him alone. You won't be led astray. I promise you, you won't be led astray. That's how we got there. We traded the truth of God for a lie. We traded the truth that God is one for the lie that God is, God is many. God is not many. God is one. There's only one God. The second one here, and this is going to begin to make a lot of sense, I believe, is the God of immorality. Now, we look at all these different things that are around the circle there. Now, this is, this, is the, this is absurdity on display. This is insanity. This is stupidity. I'm telling you, this is, this is utter stupidity on display. But how did we get there? We rejected God's holiness for a God of immorality. And we said, God, I don't want your word. I don't want to live according to your word. I don't want to surrender myself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to live the way I want to live. So what did Paul say? God turns you over to what you want, and this is the result. This is what you get now. So we scratch our heads and we look at all the foolishness in the world and say, how did we get there? Paul is telling us how we got there. We're serving the God of immorality. The alcohol abuse and, and drug abuse is, is all uh, uh, because man, has, man has, is serving himself. He's serving a God of immorality. Sex trafficking, child pornography, the LGBT community, prostitution, transgender, all these different things that we are scratching our heads wondering, how did we get there? How did we get there where we're telling students in schools that it's okay for a guy to use the girl's bathroom? How did we get there? We serve the God of immorality. We rejected God's holiness, and this is what God turned us over to. So this explains it, but, but you, look, you, you look at abortion, and you, you think of abortion. What, what is the engine that fuels abortion? Promiscuity. Promise, see, nobody wants to hear that. Don't tell me that. No, that that's my choice. That, 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 I have a right to do what I want to do with my, with my body. Promiscuity, promiscuity is the engine that fuels, that fuels abortion. I didn't look at the statistics, but I bet there's not very many couples that are married that get abortions. Maybe there's a few. I don't know. But I bet you the percentage, the percentage has got to be off the charts for the amount of people that are getting abortions that are not married to the amount of people that are getting abortions that are married. I'm just gonna, I can stand on that with pretty great confidence that unmarried people are getting abortions at a higher rate than married people are. Why? Because they're trying to hide their sin. They're trying to cover it up. So how did we get to a place where we said it's okay to give a doctor a right to dismember a baby in the, in, in the womb? How did we get there? Well, first of all, we rejected the fact that God instinctively gave us the ability to know that who he is. And then God showed us that his creation, that his creation speaks of the wonders of who he is. But we suppressed the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to know the truth. So I replaced God with my God, and I began to serve the God of immorality. And then now when you serve immorality, look at all the different things that happen. That's how we get there. That's, how, that's an explanation of what we're looking at. It doesn't make it right, but at least in my mind, it gives me some explanation. I'm not going crazy. The world is going crazy. And they're telling me, as a Christian, that I'm the one that's insane. 
and, and they're allowing sex trafficking and prostitution and abortion, child pornography, all those different things, and I'm the one that's sick. That's sick. Because you rejected God. That's how you get there. That's how society gets where society is at today. That's how a world gets where a world is at today. You've, you've rejected God. You've pushed him away. And Paul says you didn't just push him away because you didn't know him. You knew him. You had an opportunity and a capacity to understand he wasn't you. You, you ignored him. So God gave you this. God help us to turn or see why is prayer so important? That God, what, what, what does the Bible say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven and then will I do what? Will heal their land. Will heal their land. I'm not saying don't protest, but God convicted me. Pray before you protest. I don't see a lot of accounts where Jesus protested, but I see a lot of places where Jesus prayed. You want to fix all of this? Let's get on our knees and start praying. What do we pray? God, turn this nation back. God, turn senators, turn, turn congressmen, turn presidents, turn house speakers, turn local officials, school board. God, turn their hearts. God, begin by your Holy Spirit. We got to pray. You got to pray. Look, you ain't going to be able to just talk your way out of this. It's going to take divine intervention by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the next one here. Environmentalists. Now, this might be stepping on some toes, but I'm going to show you some stuff here that shows you how sick we've gotten with this. And you can say all you want. People say, well, it's okay. I love the planet. Preserve the planet. Protect the trees. Protect the water, all that kind of stuff. You can use all the excuses you want, but I'm going to show you how insane this has become. Because man has rejected God and saving the planet and environmentalism has, has become a god. It is a god. It's become an idol. It has become a god, and, and, and it, has become, it has become an idol. We have, we, we, we have all these different things, the Earth Day and Save the Planet, climate change. That, that climate change right there, that climate change is an effort to take over the world. It's like Brother Rod says, it's globalism. They, they are looking for a way, and you, you read between the lines of some of this legislation that they are passing in Washington right now. They want to start taxing the fuel, taxing the miles you drive on your car. And look, climate change, people believe that cows and pastures that are producing gas is harming the planet. That's what people believe that. that, that that's, that's insanity. That people, people believe that utter foolishness. That's what they believe. But, that, but how, do, how do we get to all these things? We started worship, worshiping the created things instead of the creator. We worship the creating things instead of the creating. See, we've convinced ourselves that animals in creation have more protection and rights than unborn babies. And I just pulled this up real quick this morning. I probably could have did a better job with this. But in California, and this is pretty much across the whole nation, there's an Endangered Species Act. And you can get fined up to $50,000 or one year in prison for crimes involving endangered species. But California, the same state that will imprison you for one year for harming an endangered species, that same state, if you perform an abortion up to 24 weeks, you're okay. 
How did we get there? We rejected God. How do we accept that as, as, as normal? How, how, do, how, does, how does man wrap his mind around that to think that that's all right? In New York, this was back in 2019, and New York passed what was called the Expanded Abortion Rights. They decriminalized abortion. They eliminated several restrictions, and they allowed, they're allowing abortions 24 weeks and beyond. They're even allowing abortions at the table. If, if there's a botched abortion, and the doctor, the doctor gets this, 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 lean, this, this freedom to make the decision that if, if he or she feels it's okay to take the baby's life because of whatever reason, it's okay to take the life of that baby. How did we get there? We rejected God. We rejected our creator. And this is the one that gets me. And I'm not reading this to be funny because it's not funny. It's sick. I'm telling you, it's absolutely sick what we've gotten to. And, we, and even us as Christians, we can become so, we, 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 we hear this over and over, and we can almost accept, well, no, that's just normal. That's just the way it is. No, it ain't the way it is. It ain't normal. It'll never be normal. It'll never be right. I don't care how many times they say it, it ain't right. The, the, the um, Endangered Species Act has protection for sea turtles. It, it, it is sick, I'm telling y'all. Sea turtles are given legal protection in the United States. It is illegal to, to harm, harass, or kill any sea turtle, hatchling, or their eggs. It's illegal to do that, but it's, but it's not illegal to kill a baby in the womb. God help us. How do, we get to the, how do we get to this place that somehow man has accepted the fact that a turtle, that I don't even understand what a turtle does to the planet or what place... It has an ecosystem. I don't know. But we have accepted the fact that a turtle has more protection than a baby. Father, help us. God, help us. Why? How can we get there? How did we get to that place? We rejected God. It was a progression. Paul spells out the progression. It was a step. It was, every one of us is given the instinct ability to know God. You got to win a gold medal in the Olympics to not know that there's a God. You got to do a lot of things to suppress the truth about who God is a lot. To get to get there, you got to do a lot. That's insanity. That's insanity I'm telling y'all. So I don't care if you love the planet, love the trees, all that kind of stuff protect endangered species, I don't care. You're never going to convince me that that's okay. That ain't okay. That you're telling me that we're going to protect this, the, the egg for, for, for a, a turtle. But it's okay to kill a baby. It ain't okay. It's not. These things, we want to say, why do we pray? These things should be drawing us to our knees. We, we should be on our knees. God, like just broken before God. And I try to do this when I'm home. I, I like to kneel. Because what am I doing? I'm showing reverence. I'm, just, I'm, I'm humbling myself. God... I'm just placing myself before you. God, help us. God, heal us. Do all those things. And, and we say, well, prayer is not important. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. If the Son of God prayed, if the Son of God prayed, how much more so me? But it's at the bottom. I don't know why. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's at the bottom. You, you go through your list of things as, as a Christian, and I promise you, prayer is at the bottom. Why? I don't know. 
The devil's doing a good job. That's, that's what it is. But man has rejected God. And this is what we see on display before our very eyes. But thank you, Jesus, there's hope. There's hope in Christ. See, there's hope, there's hope in Christ. And I want Lori to put that next one up there. See, I accepted Jesus as Lord. I accepted the truth. See, I knew instinctively inside of me there was a God. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I couldn't save myself. So I humbled myself, and I did what the Bible said. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I accepted the truth. This is the truth, that Jesus is Lord, and that salvation is found in no one else except the name of Christ. And I accepted the truth, and look what I got. I got the mind of Christ. I'm here to tell you, the day you got saved, you graduated with a Ph.D. in life. You, uh, look, we talked about being smart and all that kind of stuff. I don't consider myself to be book smart, but I do consider myself to be wise. Not because of David, but because of Christ in me. See, when you got Christ in you, guess what? You, you got discernment. I got discernment. And it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that it's wrong to protect a turtle and not a baby. I don't need to go to, I don't need to be a physicist or a scientist to figure that out. I got the mind of Christ. I got eternal life. I got, I'm going to live forever. Life. I'm going to have life, eternal life. I got wisdom from God. I'll take wisdom over degrees any day. The world can have all the degrees they want. You can pile up all those names, all those symbols, all those letters, and all those things that people like to write behind their name. I'm fine with David Lekanovich, born again by Jesus Christ. I'm fine with that. That's all right with me. That's all I need. You get a PhD in life when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. I told all my kids that y'all heard. If y'all were here for Hannah's baptism, and I'm proud of her. She 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 she's been given that 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 desire and that yearning from God to learn. It doesn't come from me. It comes from her mama, and I'm fine with that. But I believe you got to let him go and let him learn and let him do those things. But praise God, she's got Christ now. And she's going to be a witness and, a, and an example of Jesus Christ where she goes. But I told all my children, I don't care what, I don't care what job you do, what, what uh, vocation you do. And some parents don't feel this way. I pray, it's not a, I pray it's not a Christian parent. But some parents don't feel this way. They're not, they're not proud of their children unless they excel in whatever they think they need to excel in. I'm just proud that they, they, they work, but I'm more proud that they love Jesus. That's the best thing you could ever do for me as a father. I got freedom. I got peace. Does the world have peace? There's so much chaos, but how did we get there? Look at the progression. Paul, Paul gives the steps, and then bam, look what we get. But look what we get. I got joy. See, Antoine says it all the time, that there should be joy. I don't care what, what the world says, what the world does, sick this, sick that, all this kind of stuff. I got joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the joy of my circumstance. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No matter what I'm going through, what I'm facing, I got an inner joy of God. I got prosperity, not, not just from a financial position. I got prosperity in Christ. I got, I, got, I got everything. God, God has poured out the blessings of heaven. He's opened up the windows of heaven. The Bible says he has blessed us. I got salvation. I'm saved. I'm saved, the Bible says. And we have hope. And that's, that's not everything. I could have filled the whole board up and kept filling up the board again and again and again. That's what I got. See, I didn't, I didn't reject 
Christ. I accepted him. I accepted him. Look what I got. And they call me ignorant. And they say, I'm the one that's dangerous. The Bible gives us a clear distinction of those who reject him and those who receive him. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I love that where this is. We are like trees planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Why? Because I've accepted the truth of who God is. See, don't y'all, don't, I'm trying to communicate this best as I can with this passage of scripture. Paul is telling us that we have the truth, that we are not, we, 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 we have received the truth of who God is. You have accepted the truth. Your very life is a witness and a testimony that you have the truth of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we look at the world and we, and, and, and look, I can get angry. I get, I get frustrated, all those different things. But when I read the Bible, what does the Bible say? I got to pray for them. <laughs> and then not only that, I got to love them. So that almost seems like a contradiction, <laughs> it, right? When I, when I showed all that, all that foolishness up there, the, the, the immorality part, that almost seems contradictory to say, okay, this is how they got there. We understand it. They're there. But then God is also telling me to love them. Why does he say that? Because he loved me. I'm just as bad as them. In God's eyes, I need the cross just as much as they do. And God was willing to save me. He'll save them.